my friends and welcome back to the Kokoro Movement Podcast. On this episode, we have the triumphant return of the great and powerful Jackie Wu. But before we get this party started, we have a message from Dr. Kelly Sturette. For your listeners, we have created, it's the readystate.com slash Kokoro Movement. We've got, we've got something for you. You know, we have, if you just want a two week on-ramp crash course, Full access to everything. We'll give that to you for two weeks. Come come see how we're solving the problems. Take, steal what you like. You know, leave the rest behind. You know, keep speaking your own movement language. Boom. There you have it, my friends. So please go check that out, especially if you're a massage therapist who has been out of work because of COVID-19. This two-week trial period will give you a bunch of different strategies on how to help your clients out through telehealth conferences. So please take care of that. And so now, without further ado... Jackie Wu. kind of get this all figured out because zoom keeps making changes based off of people that are hacking and stuff like that it's crazy oh my gosh i know so everything's going crazy right now i'm glad that they're making changes on the hack stuff though because that is always an issue yeah that's a bummer (laughs) yeah right on how are you my friend oh my gosh it's uh it's been crazy like it's been all the same but it's also been crazy all at the same time just because and it's not even necessarily like the virus thing. It's just like um, the the time that um, all the virus stuff hit. Uh, I was going through a breakup. Well, before like it was like pre-breakup, and then right uh, about a month before we get the lockdown orders, um, I ended the relationship. And then uh, like the week before we got the lockdown orders, I moved into a new place. And so it's basically. It's kind of like I moved to a different state almost. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's been it's been kind of weird because my lifestyle um already like is is kind of like what most people would kind of consider quarantining anyway, because I work from home when I'm yeah. in the States. And so my my place here is set up so that I can work, I can live and just chill and whatever already. So that that part hasn't really changed too much. But uh, the transition for me from going from like living with somebody to not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, it's just been a kind of violent upheaval for everybody, you yeah. know. So, and it's funny because, you know, based off of your story and a lot of stories that I've been hearing, everybody's like, yeah, I was really getting my shit together. And then here it is this coronavirus just comes in out of nowhere and just stops everything. And you're like, damn it. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's so crazy. Cause on my end, you know, I had such a 
tumultuous year last year. And um, finally this year I was starting to kind of settle back into this new way of life. I got a, a part-time job with a company in town that works with um, high level athletes from all over the world, like preparing for the Olympics. And so they were coming here to train at high altitude. And, you know, so I was um, working a lot and really starting to put away a bunch of money and start saving up for education and just to have a savings and all this stuff. And then now I'm not working at all. And I'm like, Oh my God, you know what I mean? So it's just can't, just can't seem to get it together. It's crazy. Well, it's good that you had a savings. <laughs> yeah. Somewhat. So, you know, now all that savings is going towards like tax payments. Cause you know, the government doesn't care. And uh, then, you know, like a lot of my coaching clients transitioned online. So I'm able to have like a base income that pays all my bills. Nice. So I'm not like freaking out per se, but just trying to figure out what this new world looks like and what we're kind of transitioning into. Yeah. So what's that about? I don't know. <laughs> like, this is like nobody knows what's going to happen. Right? We don't know if people are going to start being more remote with everything or if people are going to try to go back to what things were like, I don't think it's going to, I don't know. Like, I don't think it's going to go back to exactly what it was. Right. I think there's, it's been too much of an eye opener for everybody that um, people are starting to see like, okay, well, you know, the, the big corporations can start cutting costs by having their office people work remotely. Right. Like they could have the whole time. They just never realized that they could, but now they, they know that it's doable and like how much money they can save from it. So I think like all the, big corporations are going to start to see that. And then I think like the small businesses um, are just going to get more creative. <laughs> right. Because we have to, you know, it's yeah. uh, because that's one thing that we realized is uh, the government's really out of touch with American economics, I think, because they're like, we're going to release this much for small businesses. And then, the kind of small, big businesses that aren't really corporate, but still have like, you know, they took all the money and then all the small businesses are like, Hey, what are we doing? You know, so. Yeah. 500 employees per location is considered a small business. Like that's a bunch of crap. I know. I'm just one employee. That is a small business. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. So you were affected pretty early on because you had to start canceling stuff even last year. Is that right? because you teach primarily in Asia. Yeah, so actually um, from the uh, from the, the, the political stuff going on in Hong Kong last year, um, I had to start canceling classes last year because of that. And then thankfully, um, I guess that was practice. <laughs> yeah. uh, because in, was it February this year? I had to cancel a bunch of other classes and that was because of the virus. Right. So I, I, I started getting affected from the virus itself, like super early before I even hit us. And then, um, yeah, like it, it's just been, I mean, I, it, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, my main source of income has kind of, uh, came to a complete halt, which made me, um, you know, get a little bit more creative with some things, but also with my new living situation, my new life situation, um, I'm able to focus on a lot of the things that I've been wanting to, just haven't had the right environment to do so. And um, 
plus like being alone now versus like living with somebody with so now i have zero distractions mm-hmm. so all my my inner closet monsters are slowly coming out bit by bit i'm like oh okay all right so this is a thing still all right let's work with us let's deal with this and uh, let's get this out of the way so we can move on right so yeah. it's, a, it's a lot of like good stuff it's it's um I mean, financially, it's not great because I'm not really pulling in a ton of income right now. Um, but also, like, my parents told me to save when I was little. Like, they taught us how to, you know, manage our finances pretty well. So I was pretty lucky with that. So I'm not, like, hurting in that sense. But it is still kind of scary because, you know, my main source of income has no um, security to it whatsoever. Like, we don't know what's going to open up. We don't know what's going to happen. Like, we have no idea what's going on. And, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, well, I I fluctuate between like excitement for the future for like all the new things. And then also like scared for the future because of like not being able to have what I used to have, you know, like that, that sense of security. So it's, uh, it, it literally like this whole situation for me has been kind of like, I've moved to like a new country. (laughs) like a new country kind of thing like literally starting over from scratch and so this this would be like what the the third time or something that i've completely started from scratch like i've you know i'm originally from michigan so i moved from michigan came out to california with nothing started from scratch here and then moved from california to um asia with nothing and then you know started from scratch there so this is like the the third time that i'm like really really kind of just starting from scratch with everything um, thankfully this time I'm in a better financial situation than I was the other two times, uh, learned a lot, you know, but, um, it, it, it's just interesting to, to start from scratch. And this time it's not because of choice. It's because I've been forced into it. Yeah. So keeping that in mind that I've uh, had the experience before, it makes it a little bit easier, but, um, you still have to go through it, right? Like it's, it's a little bit less under my control, but I mean, I know that I can, I can survive through it and, and do well and, and probably emerge from it like even better. So, right. And so that's the interesting thing is most of the time, even if we're kind of struggling, we're in charge of our own fate for the most part, you know? So we're like, okay, why aren't any clients coming in? Well, I'm not putting my message out appropriately. So I need to start doing that. And then the more clients start coming in. Well, I need to, you know, teach my clients how to talk about what I do so that they can properly network for me, that kind of thing start. So, but now it's like completely out of our hands. And so I can focus on this pivot that I'm working on and I can stay focused on what I'm doing and taking care of my wife and taking care of my dogs. But then every once in a while, you're just like, Oh my God, I have no idea when my life is going to resume. And then you start going down this path of anxiety. (laughs) <laughs> it's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's that, it's that, it's that the feeling be, is because we don't have any control anymore, right? Like it, it's, we have no control and we have no idea how to regain that control because yeah. everything is so crazy and it's never been done before, you know, and all that stuff. It's usually like when, when we're out of control, it's more like, okay, well, we're, we're in a, a familiar environment so we can at least like recalibrate pretty easily because we had like something to grasp onto something familiar to grasp onto and now we're just like I don't know what to trust don't know like what's real what's fake 
you know, there's like no way of knowing anything right now. And I think that's yeah. what's getting people the most is just, you know, like we're, we're in a completely dark room where what we thought was once a wall is now jello. Right. You know? Yeah. And you're just like, cool. What does this mean? And then the people that are giving you information are like, well, it's kind of this, but it's also the exact opposite of that. And you can do this about it, but also don't do that thing that I just said about it. And you're just like, what? I don't know what to do. It's so crazy. And then you were talking about like, you know, the insane amount of distraction and, and getting all those skeletons out of your closet. Like I did, um, I had one of those uh, upheavals earlier this year as well. Like, you know, cause I had this, uh, you know, the biopsycho social model, the pain, like, you know, the last time we hung out last May, I just uh, left this CrossFit gym that I was a part of for years. And so I was going through like a, like a, a breakup, but not only of a person, but like a whole entire tribe. And then I was just scrambling, trying to figure out how to keep my business afloat. And then just rolling through that. And then here I am in January and I'm like, okay, this is crazy. I shouldn't be this angry about this anymore. So what is happening? And so luckily my uh, wife was working all weekend and my roommate was um, working on her mini house. And I just sat with myself for like four days and just went through and just tore apart who I was as a human and put it all back together and it was just the most exhausting thing ever, <laughs> you know, so, but I feel you on that just, uh, and then it brings up all this old stuff, like, you know, the, the scarcity mindset, you know, and, um, it's, God, it's so weird. It's such a, it's so weird. And then, you know, every time I think about it, then I'm just overwhelmed by how weird it is. And then I can't even finish my sentence, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's absolutely nuts. Like, it's so crazy going through this, um, like, inner discovery, right, during this time where, like, for, for me, it was, it was super interesting. It kind of came up on, by surprise because I thought I had all the situations, like, just dialed, right? Like, yeah, I had come yeah. out of this relationship of four years, and I was the one that initiated the breakup. So, like, typically like historically if I'm the one that that does the breaking up like I'm pretty much set and good to go by the time I've already said let's be done right so it uh I was I was pretty okay after that but then um well not but but it was also uh at, right after that there was just like the snowball effect of all these other great things that were happening in my life and all these life lessons that I was learning and like, as a result, I was, I, you know, I ended up with a, with a new car that I really love that I never thought I would be in. Um, I ended up with this fantastic place to live and it's like, it couldn't be any more perfect for me. Um, and like, it's, it's, it, it was such a great transition for me that I'm like, oh my gosh, my setup is fantastic. It's great. I love this. It's awesome. I feel like I'm on top of the world. I, you know, like all motivated to start doing things. And like, I was like building my furniture, like setting up my staging areas and like cooking up a start, like everything, right? Like just getting the place dialed in and set up and like started doing some filming and whatever. And then, um, you know, I was like enjoying like the peace and the solitude and, you know, still like socializing with friends with, with like social distancing and all that kind of stuff. And then, 
um, uh, having a better relationship with my mom, you know, that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, earlier this month, I realized, I was like, there's, there's like one week where I was just like snack monster, right? And I'm like snack monster. And I'm, and I'm like, wait, something's going on. Like something, something's kind of weird. Like, this is weird. Like I, I ate like four chocolate covered biscottis, a bag of chips and like two containers of ice cream, <laughs> like in one sitting. Yeah. And, I, and I was, yeah. And I was fine. And I wanted more. I'm like, wait, wait, this is a red flag. This is a red flag. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That was my wake up call. I'm like something's wrong. And then I realized like, oh, I don't have control over my food anymore. Maybe I gave myself like a bout of candida because of all the stress that I've been going through and, you know, all the, the shit food that I've been eating lately, whatever. So I put myself back on, on uh, my candida protocol, my leaky gut protocol, and that got fixed in just like a couple days because it was just quite early on, right? And, um, and, then, and then the thing was like, I still didn't have the control over the food. It wasn't a craving, but there was just something else in there. So I started observing and trying to like figure out like what it was. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm boredom eating. Okay. It's not just snack monster. I'm boredom eating. And I'm like, okay, well, boredom eating is actually a type of stress eating. Stress eating is, is emotional eating, right? So there's some type of emotion that's going on that I, that's still you know, happening. That's causing me to want to eat all the time. And then I realized I'm like, oh, this is a fear. This is a fear of insecurity of like unstableness and that kind of thing. Like, where did this come from? <laughs> like what? No, yeah. like, my, my life has been uh, like, cause I was reflecting back on it and like, there's no reason for me to have any type of, of insecurities as all as, as uh, for, for like how my life has been set up by my parents and that kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, so this, this fear of insecurity and unstableness, this is not, this is not me. Like, this is not mine. And um, I think it was actually something that was passed down from like, my dad's side of the family because he grew up in World War II. He, you know, he he came to the U.S. Well, actually, went to Canada first with like nothing except for like a box of books and the shirt on his back, you know. And so I'm like, I think it, maybe it's probably like from his side or whatnot. So then, you know, from then, I you know I could start to like uh, write things down and brainstorm and just kind of work it out and just ration it or rationale it through my brain. And and it's uh, since then it's been so much easier. Um, but. Yeah, it was this this month has been very interesting for me just from like an introspective standpoint of when the closet monsters decided to come out and then also um my personal process of being an observer and a feeler instead of just the feeler. Like in the past I've always just been the the feeler and the person that the the being that's been like in the emotions and I'd get caught up in the emotions and then I would feel overwhelmed and trapped and all that kind of stuff. Cause I was in it and I couldn't remove myself from the situation to get like a third party perspective or a, an objective perspective. And so now as a, cause I've done like a lot of like self work over the, the past several years. Now I'm at a place where I was feeling the feelings, but then I had the sense and the capability to step out of that and remove myself from the person that was feeling and say, Hey, what's this, what's going on over here? Yeah. <laughs> and look, you know, look at things objectively. And then, um, you know, it, it made it so much less stressful. Um, cause there wasn't any stress about it. There wasn't any guilt about it. It was just like, okay, this is what is going on in my body. This is what I'm feeling. I'm not going to put any additional stress on top of that because there's no need to, you know, but let's just figure this out. Let's see what's going on. Let's figure this out. Right. 
And yep. then, like, you know, slowly it, 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 it's been figured out and, and like now you can work with it and now I'm working with it and like things are so much better right now and they're picking back up. So um, I'm a little nervous though because I'm like, well, after this closet monster's gone, like, is there going to be another one that pops up? <laughs> like, yeah. how long is this going to go for? <laughs> so that's but, funny. That's, I tell all my clients, like, that's why monks are monks for a living. It's because you have to work on this stuff constantly. Yeah. And so what I've, you know, it's funny because I go through that same process. So like I said, you know, I was just irrationally angry all the time. And then I, you know, did the full stop, like you said, okay, what's, what's happening? Where's this problem? Is it mine? Is it somebody else's? Is some of it mine? Is some of it somebody else's? And so, you know, then you, like you said, with your dad, you have these inherited emotions. And so, you know, losing that social structure that I had, where I was essentially like extricated from the group, just all of a sudden, it's like, so then I start looking at it and it's like abandonment, abandonment from my dad and then betrayal from my mom. And then that leads to despair on my dad's end. Yeah. And then that goes, which then just compounds the issues of having that anxiety about losing a majority of my clientele and having to start from scratch and not having an office to practice out of and not having a gym to coach out of and all of this different stuff all at once. And so, you know, almost a year later, just sitting with it and just being like, Jesus, primity, it's such a thing. But then, you know, as I have been going through this journey with myself, which I started um, over a decade ago uh, when I got divorced and then started my mixed martial arts practice, you know, it, the more you practice it, then the more you find like this one thing that's really detrimental to you at that time and then you work really hard on it and then you move on to the next thing and then the next thing and then the next thing and then that first thing comes back and you're like oh hey bro <laughs> I thought we were <laughs> past this all right let's get into it you know it's just such a weird process but just even being able to acknowledge it and then start working on it and then move forward from that is such a huge strength yeah, absolutely. Like it's, it's definitely something that takes, um, a lot of practice. Uh, and I think like if you have really good guidance, it, it, it helps so much, right? Yeah. Guidance and practice. And also like, I think another big part is like, you need to be ready for it. Yeah. You know, it's not something that you can force because it, like, it's one of those things where, I mean, they say it all the time in all the, the self-help book type things, all the spiritual stuff. It's like, you can't force it, right? right. The more you force it, the more it's basically being resisted. You just got to let it happen. You got to just like surrender and let it happen and, and whatever. And I think that might be the, the biggest key to it all is that initial step of, of getting to the point where you simply surrender. And I say simply surrender because... You, you have to have gotten to the point where you're just like this to everything, yeah. right? And I'm like, ah, oh, <laughs> fuck it. Just whatever. Just, just fuck it. Right. And then you're just, yeah. and then it's that time when you're just like, ah, oh, fuck it, whatever. And you just like let go and you surrender and you're like, okay, whatever. It's fine. It, it's fine. Right. Yeah. And it's at that point where you let go, you surrender, you give up resisting. You know, and it's a true give up of uh, giving up of the resistance 
that that's when things can actually start to grow and start to happen, you know, because up until then, like, we're just like fighting and fighting and fighting and trying to control things so much. We're like trying to make things happen our way. Oh, this needs to go this way. This needs to go that way. And it really doesn't, right? Like it, it really doesn't like the more I start observing things and start, you know, um, letting things happen and, and, and I mean, living or whatever it is, right? The more that I realize that we don't know jack shit about our lives. <laughs> like, no. not, not even, I'm not even talking about the universe. I'm not even talking about like the human body. I'm just talking about our life, like no. our life as an individual, uh, living being, thing, creature, whatever. Um, we know jack shit about our life and like what it's supposed to be or what it's going to be or whatever. And we're trying to control it. And we're trying to make shit happen. And like, yes, we have some control over some things, but it's also like, you know, do you want to like walk up this muddy hill, right? To try to get to the top. Or do you want to like let the cars that have been passing by that have been saying, Hey, free ride to the top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of those things. Like you want to get on one of those, you know, free ride cars, or do you want to like trudge up that muddy slippery slope up by yourself? Because that's the way that you want to do it. You stubborn asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And it's funny because that's what is preached on social media or whatever, all these books, you got to grind, you got to fight, you got to work instead of, just looking at it and being like, is this working? Yes or no? Is this something that I thought was viable, viable now? Or is it going to be viable in the future? Should I hang on to it or should I let it go? Like what's going on? And so like it goes back to uh, what we were just talking about where you just start asking the questions and then you start solving the problems. You know, so why is this so hard? What's going on here? What, like what can I do to make this easier? And so it's... Uh, one of my favorite lines is from this movie called Surf's Up. Have you seen that with the penguins? Yeah. So there's this, uh, there's this line where he's teaching them how to make a surfboard. And the guy's like chopping and hacking at this surfboard, trying to make a, piece, make a surfboard out of a piece of wood. And he said, no, you got to go smooth, long, smooth strokes. You can't fight these big waves. You can't fight these big waves. Just not, and I'm like, yeah, you can't. Yeah, just go, <laughs> go with the wave, surf it, you know? <laughs> and so... It's funny because we all have this illusion of control, but you just kind of have to hang out and see what happens because anything could happen at any time, you know, just like we're experiencing now. And so trying to, this is, I think, an opportunity to figure out how to make whatever you had more robust, whether uh, it's relationships and, or, you know, your business or whatever it is, it's, is it, going to work? Yes or no? Okay. So then moving forward, how does this look? What does it look like? What can I do now? Like, is this going to work? I don't know. Then, then just keep asking those questions. And so, you know, for me, like I have a plan for the worst case scenario, which is just coaching people in my backyard and then doing massages in a spare bedroom. Yeah. And then if the best case scenario happens where we get our gym back, then great. I don't know. Like, we don't know. We have no idea. And so, Obviously, having an online business is going to make your current business more robust. And most people that I talk about or and talk to this subject about are saying, yeah, I'm going to keep this online thing that I created. 
but once I'm able still do the in-person stuff and then just combine it and make it a new thing because that's why I started coaching in the first place is because I understood that massage therapy is very cyclical. It's very up and down. Like there's times of the year, like the holidays where people just disappear off the face of the earth. And you're like, I still need to make rent. What are you guys doing? Where did you go? Are you hanging out with family? Cause that's stressful. You probably need some body work. <laughs> you know? So, but if you start coaching, then they start those are the people that are staying consistent and then you make sure that you get enough to where you're not overwhelmed so that you can still coach people and then still provide them with workouts if they're out of town and then they still pay you so you can still pay your bills. And that's what's saving me right now. You know, so it's just adjusting to the situation and, and not becoming a victim of the circumstances. Absolutely. I think a lot of people, um, who are freaking out about this whole situation, like actually freaking out and like lashing out at other people and whatnot um, versus, you know, being um, more proactive and, and, you know, uh, that kind of thing. I think the people who are a little bit more like lashing out and, and, or, or like downward spiraling, that kind of thing. Um, I think they're the ones that are, are having that, that victim mentality that you're talking about because they don't know how to take responsibility for their life. Mm -hmm. Like in the United States, we've been bred to follow instructions and just do what somebody else says without thinking, right? We're, we're still like our school systems are still for like the, what is it? The industrial age or whatever, or ma the manufacturing age, right? Yep. Where people are supposed to go to, to the manufacturing plant and just be like, like a line worker, you know? It's not meant for um, this day and age of people where like you do better if you're a creative, you know, if you're creative with drive and like some type of business, right. Um, or like business minded. Right. So like it, we've all, we've all been through that education system where we're just like, okay, this is what we're told to do. So we're supposed to do that. And we don't know any better. And you know, if you, if you do think you know any better, you don't, you know, so don't ask any questions and just do what you're told. Right. right. But, and so a lot of people are still in that. And then the few of us that have broken out of it, right. There's a, a, a there's a large chunk of that portion that broke out of it. Who all, who have that mindset that they want to be creative, that they want to be, um, uh, uh, like in charge of their own life and, and, and proactive and all that kind of stuff, but they just don't know how, right. They don't know how to do it. They don't have the first clue. So they're very ambitious and they're very driven, but they have no direction. You know, they don't know how to get everything started. And then you've got the people who, um, uh, are a little bit luckier who, you know, have, who know how to get things started, who know how to do things. And maybe they um, need a little bit more direction with the creative part on how to market it, right? Because yeah. we're not taught how to market. I mean, no, I'm, bad at, I, I'm bad at marketing. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I, I went to school. So when I went to school, I ended up graduating with a degree in um, public relations and communication. And it was, and I only did that because I had changed my major so many times. It was in the middle of my junior year that I'm like, okay, I need to find a major that I can just get out of school. Like, I'm not going to use it, but I'm just going to get out of school. So I ended up uh, advertising public relations. And thankfully I did because I know now what public relations does and I hate it. It's stupid and it's very scammy and I don't, it's very dishonest. And I, 
I, I don't like it at all. But what it taught me was that that's what's out in the world right now. Like that's what we're competing against as ethical marketers. Like you and I were ethical marketers, right? We're trying to, to, to market our business ethically and tell the truth and be upfront and all that kind of stuff. We are up against the people, the large corporations, the, the, the marketers that, that are just spinners, right? They're frauds and they're, they're trying to trick people into getting their product or service or whatever. And it's just all a scam, you know? And so we're like the little good guys going up the, going up against, like, we're like the little Davids going up against the big Goliaths, Goliaths, right? Like we don't, we don't know how to quite do that, you know? And then some people do, but a lot of people don't. So, (laughs) and so now like with the, with the whole, um, everybody, you know, suffering from their businesses closing, like it's the smallest businesses that, that get hard, hit the hardest. And so we have even more to, um, to uphill climb against. Right. And, um, crap, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> yes. Well, I understand what you're saying. And it's, it's, a, it's an uphill battle and it's really difficult. And, just trying to, you know, so I uh, released a fitness program at the beginning of the year that helps people manage stress better. And so, you know, coming from the CrossFit space and watching all of these uh, first responders, paramedics, firefighters, police officers come off shift and then just crush themselves with another stress response. I'm like, why are we doing that? That doesn't make any sense. You're already in a sympathetic state. Why are you doing that? So I developed a program where you can still get your fitness, you can maintain it, you can get stronger. It's and it includes all three planes of motion and it helps you recover from stress and then it helps you stay fit and then prepare for stress. And then I launch it and then I'm like, okay, how do I sell this? Because stress doesn't sell like six pack abs in 30 seconds or whatever it is, you know, so then I'm trying to sell it and I'm putting all this stuff out and I'm explaining this whole um, bell curve with like sympathetic on one side and parasympathetic on the other and where you want to stay and how you want to keep it balanced and all this different stuff. And I'm like, nobody's going to buy this. And then I started watching all these drug company commercials and I'm like, ah, shit. So that's how I have to sell it. Like a drug company. I have to, I have to talk about people's symptoms. You know, are you in chronic pain? Are you the type of person that never feels rested no matter how much sleep they get? Are you the type of, you know, just going through all of these chronic stress symptoms and trying to sell it that way. And then eventually I was just like, I can't do it. It's so weird just to to come at it from this other non-holistic angle in order to try and sell it to make people feel better so that's like that's i know exactly what you're saying it's so difficult to to get it figured out and that was part of the big discussion that we had on the round table was just like how do we even do that yeah you just got to start somewhere yeah actually it was uh it's interesting that you bring up symptom-based marketing um, I, I actually just had a phone call with my uh, web guy before our roundtable thing. 
uh, yeah. the other day and um i told him like we need he was so close because so we're, we're we're redoing the my website right we've been trying to redo it for a while um and we were like within one week of launch of the new site and then i emailed them and i said please don't hate me i want to reformat the entire flow of the website <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love everything you did but it's wrong and so we're starting over because <laughs> I told him like like it looks great and everything but there's just something that's just it doesn't quite sit with me right like because he did a great job of like you know how everything looks and uh everything matches and colors and all that good stuff whatever but like I'm like just something like while you're going through the website it just didn't seem right to me it didn't seem easy to me you know so just like it was sometime last week where I just kind of had this thought that pop up in my mind. I'm like, I need to reformat the entire flow and the navigation of my website to make it more consumer friendly. So I like draw out this whole new map. It's all like, it is all symptom based actually. I'm like, this looks way better than what I had before. So then I emailed, you know, my, my web guy, I'm like, please don't hate me. Yeah. <laughs> he was super receptive. So that's good. So my website is still, still in construction and hopefully hopefully it'll roll out sometime soon but i mean it, it I'd, I'd rather have it take a little bit longer and have it be done well and done right instead of like rush it out and like oh look, well it's 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 done you know it's done and it, i know it's not going to work as well but it's done let's get it out and i'm like no we're we're close like we just have to like shuffle things around a little bit and connect this wire to this one instead of this one you know it's just one of those things so hopefully Hopefully when the new one rolls out, um, it'll be a lot more consumer friendly and a lot easier on the navigation. But yeah. yeah it's, and, it's way better for the marketing for sure. Yeah. So that's where my website's kind, it, it has the information that I need, but it's not the way I want it. But I'm not really where I want to be and I'm still trying to figure out exactly what I am and how to explain <laughs> that to people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, <laughs> because you know once you get past that remedial massage therapy and you start taking that higher level education and then you start getting frustrated because you're not helping people and then you start diving deeper and then you start going into chronic inflammation what does that mean and then all this other stuff you just just so much stuff that's associated with just being a human and if any of that is screwed up then you're screwed up. And so when people are like, I have back pain, I'm like, cool. And they're like, so what is it? I'm like, I don't know. You're going to have to come in. I have no idea. You know what I mean? Like, like I keep telling people, I finally understand where my car mechanic's coming from. When I call them, I'm like, so my car is sputtering in between 40 and 45 miles an hour, but only when I'm accelerating it on the highway. What is that? He's like, I don't know. Bring it in. That's how I feel. <laughs> you know what I mean? So then you know, once you go through like the neurokinetic therapies and all that stuff and people like, so what do you do? You're like, that's a loaded question. I need to work on my elevator pitch. And so that's something I've been really working on as well. Um, and, you know, now I'm like really diving into the neurology stuff, which then brings me back to what you were talking about with the, um, the standard educational system, which is so ridiculous. And there's people that are just like, so did you graduate college? I'm like, no. And they're like, so how close were you? I'm like, I don't know, a couple of classes, but why? What are we doing? So if I go back and I get my associate, 
in college, what does that accomplish? What does that mean? Nobody cares. You know what I mean? So like, if you start, like if I start going down Z health, <clears throat> the Z health route or whatever it is, then that can actually help people. And that's actually applicable. Like none of the stuff I learned in college is applicable to anything. And it drives me crazy. And so one of the perfect examples is when I was in anatomy and physiology, I was trying to, you know, get my prereqs to go to PT school. And they were talking to me about the women's menstrual cycle. And I'm like, who cares? What does this have to do with a rotator cuff injury? What does it matter? Who cares? But now that I'm further into my education and I understand what's happening. And if a woman doesn't have a menstrual cycle, that's a huge problem. And we need to address that. You know what I mean? Because she's deep down the rabbit hole of stress. And so we need to figure that out, you know, and that's, a, that's because I attained applicable knowledge outside of the standard school system. Yeah, the, the, it's funny that you mentioned that for, for, for PTs, because I was, I was in the same, uh, same boat with, um, like, you know, getting all my, my prereqs and everything, because I was, and that's actually the only reason why I ended up graduating from college. I was, I was one class short for like, I don't even know how many years and I was like, eh, whatever. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, no, like I was, I was like doing all my, redoing all my prereqs because they had all expired. Right. And, um, like it, it, that was actually after my, um, my back injury. So that, that like after I broke my back and I did all that and I was going through like all the, the schooling again. And it was, I mean, it was just all boring, of course. Right. Nothing was really usable. Um, and then I was, uh, I was working at a PT clinic for a couple years during that whole stint. And, you know, everything, it was, it was a private clinic, but it was like the biggest private clinic in the area. And so there were like 10 different PTs and, and whatever. And so when I, when I went in there, um, they looked at my x-rays because they heard, they heard my story. They're like, oh, okay, that's, that's an interesting story. Okay, and, or they would like see my posture. They're like, yeah, you got this like really bony thing sticking out of your low back. Like what's going on over there? I'm like, oh, you know, I, I broke it. You know, whatever, it's fine. They're like, oh, you broke it, right? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I broke it. They're like, you mean just like a little hairline fracture? I'm like, no, 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 it's like, like, smush, like, like it's, you know. Um, it's a burst fracture, it's a compression burst fracture. Um, and so I would show them the x-rays because they wanted to see it and they, each one of them, um, looked at it and their eyes would immediately bulge out of their head. Um, some jaws would drop and they would be like, wait a second, this is you? Are you sure? I'm like, yeah, this is me. I have several, like several copies of this, but like taken at different times, you know, different years or whatever. Like this is, this is me. And they're like, but you just did a martial arts tournament last month. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that, that's not, that's not like possible based off of what I see here, right? Based off of what I see here, you shouldn't be able to run, jump, kick, twist, turn, like none, none of that. They're like, the only thing that you should really be able to do is hop on a bicycle. And I told them, I'm like, you know what? The funny thing is the bicycle is the only thing that makes my back hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so, so funny. And yeah, so that was like the time where I realized that traditional PT wasn't the route because they were still teaching them how to like think inside of a box, which isn't thinking at all. It's just following instructions still. Right. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, you follow instructions. Okay. If they have this symptom, then, you know, there's a flow chart basically, right? They, they, they learn this flow chart of PT. And then at the end of the flow chart, there's different boxes of, okay, go to page, you know, 
72 on ortho gate and print, press print, you know, and then yeah. those are their exercises. Okay, go to page 32 on ortho gate and press print, and then that's their exercises. And the rest of it's all kind of the same. You got manual work, you got you got the, the ultrasound, you got tens, you got um, uh, heat, uh, the heat and stem, you've got ice, you know, all that kind of like it's all the same stuff, you know. And that's when I'm like, okay, well, something's missing over here, and that's when I uh, wanted to go outside of the box. And that's how I ended up finding um, neurokinetic therapy, which was just the beginning of all my crazy rabbit hole adventures. Yeah. And just like you, like I have, I've had like the toughest time figuring out what my elevator pitch is. People are like, Oh, what do you do for a living? I'm like, well, you know, and now, <laughs> you know, now like it, it, to me, for my elevator pitch, it really depends on who I'm talking to. Yeah. Somebody in the industry, then I'll be a little bit more like scientific -y with like, Oh, I'm a, neuro-based blah 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 list you know all this stuff and whatever and they're like oh, okay cool because they understand those words but if it's like someone who's not in the industry they don't really quite understand it i'm just like i'm kind of like a, a physical therapist but i'm not i just basically yeah. help people feel better in in different ways yeah and that's my elevator pitch right like i help people feel better in different ways and yeah. uh, when people ask me if i am a, a pt i specifically say no i'm not a pt you know, like I've had clients tell me, oh, I should call you Dr. Wu. I'm like, please don't call me doctor because I didn't earn that title. People who, who have that title, like they've gone to school for it. They did their time for it. You know, they, they put in the work and I did a completely different direction. So please don't call me doctor. Um, yeah. say to it, it means a lot to me that you want to, but I'm not a doctor and I don't want people to get that impression. Either, you know, yeah. so um, rabbit holes are fun. Um, they get really confusing and you get lost, but they're a lot of fun and it does put a little bit of a twist to the elevator, elevator pitch. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the lines from that Dr. Spina said at the functional range conditioning is I take your shit that doesn't work nice and I make it work nice. It'll be like, yeah, that's what I do. I make <laughs> your shit work nice. <laughs> so that's, uh, it's pretty funny because that, you know, with the neurokinetic therapy, it tells you how the body, it gives you an idea of how the body starts to function because they're just like, this is your bicep and your bicep does this. And you're like, okay, so why does it hurt? I don't know. And you're like, okay. <laughs> so how does that help anybody? Oh, it doesn't. And then you, then you start learning about you know, the, the gray Institute stuff, like the functional muscle function, this is how your body functions under the force of gravity, not just like dead person anatomy. You're like, Oh, okay. So now I have to start reprogramming my brain to think about how muscles are functioning while a person is moving. Cool. And then you start learning like the joint by joint approach. You're like, Oh, so pain is not in the knee. It's from somewhere else. Okay. And then you start learning like fascial lines and then you start learning like rotational patterns and which muscles, the pushers and the pullers. And then you start learning. And then you're just like, why is everybody teaching it this way? That's like 200 years old and doesn't apply to anything. It doesn't make any sense. You know, like I was talking to uh, Kelly Sturette and, you know, um, we were um, talking about like the ACL. And I remember sitting in class in anatomy and physiology having them talk about all the ligaments of the knee and i'm just like oh my god this is the worst and then he's then uh kelly starrett starts talking about um the acl and this 
this knee webinar, how it's really important to generate torque all the way up into the hip. And then that's actually generated from the foot and all this different stuff. And you're like, oh, why don't it, why aren't you explaining it like this? And it's because they don't know. And it's because they got really good at just memorizing that information. And so they teach it. And then you're supposed to be good at memorizing that information. So you can quote unquote, learn it but then you're not learning it, you're just memorizing it. And so the, I, what I found is I have to be really redundant in what I'm learning in order for me to be able to apply it. And when I was in college, the only way that I could be redundant is by complaining about all of the questions that I missed on tests. Like, you know, like one of the things is like the external acoustic metis or the ear hole. Why don't they just call it the ear hole? I don't understand. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, I don't know, really interesting that we all got to this point with that, uh, that we all started in that traditional system because that's what we thought we were supposed to be doing. And then you either continue down that traditional kind of rabbit hole and then you get a job and then you work that job and then you find somebody that you're supposed to be with forever and then you get married and then you buy a house and then you have kids. And then that societal narrative is so strong that like once my wife got, once we got married, my wife just got bombarded. When are you having kids? She's like, I don't think we are. And people are like, what do you mean? And you're like, well, we don't want to have kids right now. So did you buy a house yet? No. Why not? Because we can't afford it. What? I don't understand what you're saying. You're like, yeah, you should try. It's like we're going a different way. It's okay. It still works for people. You can go a different way. We don't have to keep going the same way as everybody else. That's that I can one thousand percent being an Asian female. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like like for, for Asians, like that, that narrative is even stronger. And like, it's, it's so strong that, um, like for, for women, if you're not married by the time you're 30, you're, you're like an old maid and you're like, nobody wants you anymore. Like, that's kind of like the, the old mentality. Yeah. And you're, you have to get married. Like, that's just the thing. It's like, you have to get married. You have to have kids. And, and there's so much pressure to do so that it's not even family members that ask you these questions. It's complete strangers. Yeah. So like whenever I'm in Asia, I'll always have people asking me, you know, oh yeah, you know, oh, you're here in business. Oh, great. Are you here with your husband? And like, oh, well, I'm not married. Oh, well, uh, huh. How old are you? <laughs> you look pretty young. How old are you? I'm like, oh, well, um, I'm like 37. They're like, wait, you're not married? Divorced? Kids? I'm like, no, never been. No kids. I'm like, that. they're like, boyfriend? I'm like, well, at that time it was yes, but like, you know, now is a, now is a no, but like, but they're, they're like, oh, but what, so when are you guys going to get married? I'm like, I don't think we're going to get married. You know, and they're like, wait, what? <laughs> you're not going to get married? Wait. Like you just get so confused, you know, and these are complete strangers just meddling into my personal business, like Uber drivers and like bus drivers and people just randomly on the street and like people at restaurants and stuff. And like, why, who are you and why do you care? You know? Yeah. And deconstructing that societal narrative. It's yeah. painful for people. Exactly. It just hurts their brain. Just yeah. like 
just like I told you, when I um, started to learn a lot of this new stuff and this, that like people are pushing the envelope of knowledge as far as we, as, as it pertains to humans. And so there's still people coming out with this amazing new information and still they don't know anything and they're still learning every day. And yep. so to think that like we know everything to the point where we can just have like a college class and just assume that that's correct information based off of a 200 year old narrative, it's insane. And so you know, I think that that's why this continuing education is so prevalent right now is because people are understanding that, A, there's this information is constantly evolving. And B, that you learn better in a passionate environment. Because like, you know, when you're in an anatomy and physiology class in a community college, that guy's just like, okay, so this is the quad. Uh, this is the origin and the insertion. And then these are all ligaments and stuff. But then when you learn from like Dr. Perry, he's like practically yelling at you the whole time because he's so excited about all this information. You know what I mean? So like it's really, there's one that I prefer and it's not the standard educational system. And it's right now it's a money-making institution too. So that's something that it, people have to realize as well so you know here in Flagstaff we have Northern Arizona University and it's such a huge problem that like where that you have to pay for parking and you could be in the same parking lot but it's divided down the middle and so if you don't have a uh, parking pass for both parking lots then you could get a ticket on that end of the parking lot and not this end what? Because, yeah, so they just were like, oh, we're not making enough money. Mm, parking. We'll just divide this parking lot up. It's crazy. And so then people started parking off campus, and then they started buying up property off campus so that they could claim those parking spots. Wow. It's insane. And so, like, there's every time there's a new building under construction here in Flagstaff, we're like, what's that? Oh, it's student housing. And it's just these big monstrosities of buildings where people congregate to go to school and learn this information that doesn't pertain to anything that involves being a human in the real world. It's so weird. And then they get in such an insurmountable amount of debt that they could, can't possibly pay off that they're like 30 years old living with their parents with like a $600,000 student loan. <laughs> <laughs> that's obviously kind of an exaggeration because you know PT school is like what two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollars. But that's crazy. That's crazy to essentially buy a house before you even graduate college and expect to make a living. It's insane. It's nuts. I mean, you're also just in Arizona. I'm in California, and I've been looking at real estate for the last little bit, and I'm just like. How are these things this expensive? Like, how right. is it that these things are, are this expensive? Like, the house that I'm living in right now, I'm renting it, right? I'm renting half of the house. So it's kind yeah. of, they, they, they split the levels, right? So it's private. And I, I looked up this house on Zillow. And I was like, okay, this is going to be crazy, right? Because I know I can't afford this house. Yeah. Right? But 
I'm really glad that I rent and renting here because it's this, this perfect place. This place is like $1.5 million. I'm like, holy shit, I'm living in a $1.5 million house. And if this was any other state, I mean, if this was back in Michigan where I'm from, right? This house actually square footage wise is about the same as my house back in Michigan. And that, that house in Michigan is a lakefront property. And I think right now it's worth something like seven or 800,000, which is like also really, really expensive, but that's only because it's a lakefront property with like 0.6 acres, you know, for, yeah. for property. And this is, I mean, granted this place is great and amazing that I'm living right now, but like 1.5 million come on, you know, like right. who can afford this stuff? And last night I was looking at um, like more real estate stuff with a friend and we're looking at this one, one area um, where it's not that far from where I am right now, but it's like, it's a nice little, like, nice little area. And we're like, nobody can get into that area because it's all old money. Like all the houses are over $1.52 million. And if you drive down the street, you can tell it's old money because none of the yards are kept, are, are, uh, are kept, right? Yeah. They're all like ratty and overgrown and weeds and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. So you know that the people who live there, they don't care about the property. They're, they, it's, it's old money. It's, it's, it's a property that, that's been passed down from generation to generation or something like that, you know? Yeah. And so like the housing market here is insane. You can't like get into anything unless you live in the desert. Right. <laughs> and the housing market everywhere is insane. So it's, it, I mean, it's better here, you know, but like, um, if you look at the combined income of both me and my wife, we're doing really well really well and we can't afford to buy a house and so then that goes back to you know like what i said on the the round table thing where our government gets a solid d plus for effort on trying to support the economy where they're just like here's twelve hundred dollars that'll help and you're like for what for what does that do so if <laughs> yeah so like if we were working and somebody just walked up and was like, Hey, here's a thousand bucks. You're like, Oh, cool. Thanks. But if they're like, here's a thousand dollars to survive a month on, you're like, no, that's not a thing. What? That's crazy. But then that's minimum wage. That's what I heard. And from my understanding is that's a month's worth of income for a minimum wage worker. And so then you start wrapping your head around that. Like why did then, that's why people have like three or four jobs. Why is this even a thing? This is, so my whole thing from the very beginning is that this virus is exposing how terribly broken our system is. And, you know, we've been talking for the last four years about how we have this booming economy, but nobody has any savings and everybody has debt. And that's why everybody's freaking out right now is yeah. because our economy is not booming. And so then you start to see like the very first thing that happened. Oh, we bail out the corporations. Whew. Now we feel better. And you're like, okay, so now our whole mindset as a country makes sense to where we only go up. Right. Yeah. So the, the stocks, everything only goes up. That's not how it works. That's what I was talking about earlier. Massage therapy cyclical goes up and down. And that's how the economy should be going up and down. It doesn't only go up. The only way it only goes up is if we raise gas prices, we raise rent, we make 
stuff more expensive. We make food more expensive. So that way they're just like, oh, you know, we added an extra 20 cents onto the cost of beef and now our stocks are increasing. Wow. So maybe if we do that next year, it'll happen again. And then all of a sudden we get to this point where we are now where nobody can afford to do anything. And it's so crazy. And so like, you know, I have through um, the myriad of different education courses that I've taken, I've met people that I feel like are really high level successful people. And I'm like, you're, you're, you're successful. That's awesome. I'm so, like, I'm, I'm trying to emulate you. And you're just like, well, I can't afford anything. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, that's something, that's something that has shocked me quite a bit because I mean, yeah, we, this, uh, this quarantine thing um, has been provoking a lot of people to connect more, right? Reaching out to their friends and, and network and that kind of thing through um, like the, the, the video calls and that, that kind of stuff. And what, what has been extremely interesting to me is that a lot of people who I thought were doing really well are not. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, that's strange, you know, but then, um, you know, something that one of my friends said, they, they said, um, you know what, Instagram and social media, Facebook, whatever, um, it's very deceiving, mm-hmm. right? Things can appear one way, but then actually not be that way. It can be a completely different way. And I was thinking like, you know what, that's completely true of all social media, no matter what. And that's kind of the whole, what the whole direction that social media has been on. And the reason why people get depression from using too much social media, because they see all the great things about other people and they assume it's all real, right? Yeah. Before this whole COVID thing, it was all, oh yeah, so-and-so's life is so good. So-and-so's um, uh, looks are so great, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like everything's so great for that person, these people, whatever, because there's photo editing and there's video editing and there's, you know, how you word things and how you angle things and, you know, all that stuff. And so it's, it's just this giant scam. And, and, and now like we're like, we're, you and I, we're in, in, in business where, you know, we have, you know, Facebook marketing and, and, and social media marketing, whatever, that kind of stuff. And we're studying our peers and their marketing and their image on social media. And we're like, oh, they must be doing well. They must be doing well. And then when we actually talk to them, it's a completely different story. And then you're like, well, shit, no, all these people that I was trying to emulate, they're not doing well. So why the hell am I emulating them? Like, what do I do now? Like, where do I go? And so that's kind of like something that I've been um, thinking about too in the last few weeks is like, I've been realizing that a lot of people that that I've been looking up to that I'm like, okay, I'm going to do just like how they did it because it seems like they're doing really well. They have a billion different followers and you know, they must be just like rolling it and then doing really well. And they're not. And I'm like, okay, so I need to recalibrate. I need to figure out like what's going on, why their stuff doesn't work, why, um, why uh, figure out who's actually does work and then why, like figure out why, you know? Right. So it's, 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 it was really good for me to um, find all that stuff out so that I don't waste more of my time and energy and emulating people whose stuff that just seems like it's working, but it's not. 
you know, right. I want stuff that actually works. So it's like, okay, let's, let's recalibrate, go back to the drawing board and then research a bit. So. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it's, uh, it's also about perceptions, right? So the people that I perceive to be successful are the ones at the forefront of knowledge that I'm trying to attain. And so those are a majority of the people that I follow, you know, so, um, because you guys live in a bigger city. And so you have more access to that education that I'm looking for. So what courses is Andy going to? What courses is Jackie going to? I should start looking into that because that's stuff that I need because they feel as though that's the stuff that they need in order to perform better. And, you know, performance is another thing that, that I've been really trying to unpack too. What does that even mean? You know what I mean? So like, am I a performance coach? Well, yeah. Am I getting people to the NFL? No. But am I making this seven-year-old woman not a fall risk? Yes. So she's performing optimally for her because she can now go up and down stairs. And that's all I care about because I can't stand the fact that in America, people that are over the age of 60 are considered a fall risk because they just don't know how to move their bodies. You know what I mean? It's insane. And so it's funny where people tend to kind of aim their attention. And that's also one of the things why, one of the reasons why I started this podcast is because um, I want people to understand that everybody struggles. It's hard for everyone. It's not just super easy. You know what I mean? Nobody's just like, oh, I got this nailed. Nobody does. It's all, like you said, it's all a lie. Yeah. And so, you know, when I tell people, like, uh, when I get people on the podcast and they're just like, oh man, so, you know, like Perry Nicholson's a great example. I was in, I was a chiropractor for five years and almost quit because I hated it. I hated what I was doing. I didn't want to do it anymore. I was going to go flip burgers or something. And then he was like, oh, then I got a gym or I got a job as a chiropractor at a gym and then realized that there's another way to do this and then went down that route and got to where I am now over a decade of practicing and learning new stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay. So it's okay to pivot and it's okay to suck at stuff and it's okay to not know everything and it's okay to be lazy and eat garbage food every once in a while. You know what I mean? Because everybody does it. Everybody's human. I got it. And that's, um, that's why I had the podcast is so we can just have conversations with people so that they, everybody understands that we're all coming from the same place. And, and that's why I stick with, uh, you know, like-minded people to where our whole entire purpose on this planet is to make humans better at being human and get them going in a direction where we all just want to like help each other out. And that's why, like, I appreciate people that go out and teach this stuff because then they're affecting all these different practitioners who are going out and helping more people. And it's just spreading the good like we were talking about on that round table, like we got to start with the outliers and work our way in because we have such an insurmountable task of accomplishing just being better humans. It's such a difficult thing to attain. It's crazy. Well, we got to start somewhere, right? Like, I mean, we're doing something that is definitely good for people in general, but we're, I mean, think about how it was like just 10 years ago. 
right? Mm -hmm. There are even fewer people with fewer not with like less knowledge. And the only reasons why we exist is because those people kept going. Right. You know? And so if we continue the same, right, we, we continue their legacy and we put our own spins to it. We, we are our own flavor to it and, and, and our own connections and that kind of thing. And we grow this, this thing and this, this, um, this dream of all of ours, right? It's a collective shared dream of ours. It might look a little bit, tiny bit different here and there, but overall it's the same dream. Um, eventually, I think, I think it was Dennis who said it, like eventually we're going to attain it, right? We might yeah. not live to see it, but we, we're an integral part of making it happen. Right. You know? so as long as we understand that and that, like the whole reason why any of us are in this industry, this, this specific niche of the industry is because we firmly believe that what we're doing is great and that we need to keep doing it no matter what. And yes, we might only affect a small number of people, comparatively speaking, you know, we're still affecting at least that small number of people and we're, we're still helping and we got to just keep going, even though we're like the little people, we got to keep going and eventually the message will spread long enough to we are like the best thing since sliced bread yeah this will be the new norm right and it's a it's a long road to hoe for massage therapy man <laughs> you know because we still have we still have a societal narrative of what massage therapists do and how that works and then the profession itself then perpetuates that narrative, which is really frustrating, you know, so uh, that narrative that I'm speaking of is you either have that relaxing spa type massage, or you have that gigantic German lady who's just jabbing elbows into your spine. And that's it. And I'm like, so when people come in and they say, I want deep tissue, I'm like, okay, you don't want it. That's just the thing that you think you should say. That's not what you need. And so I'm not going to, you know, so having to go through that education and then also, you know, go on the route of being a legitimate rehabilitative profession and earning the respect there, which is profoundly difficult as well. And so just a seemingly insurmountable task. But if we just keep putting information out there, which is what I think social media is for, is just like, hey, this is the understanding that I have. And I have a bunch of high level practitioners that follow me to where I have the benefit of if I put something out that's wrong, they call me out. I'm like, no, that's incorrect. And I'm like, cool, let's talk about it. You want to come on the podcast and talk about it so that I can learn and everybody else can learn as well. And you know what I mean? And so that's like the other um, big problem is like the ego that people have because man, when I start, talking to certain chiropractors or PTs, they're just like, you're just a massage therapist. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> so this conversation's over. It's really weird. Yeah, it's interesting um, teaching in different countries too, because each industry in each country also has um, different standards, right? Yeah. Like there's some parts of Asia where the trainers, like just regular old personal trainers are smarter about and more intelligent about the human body and how the human body works and how to rehabilitate the human body than most physical therapists in the US. Yeah. I go there and I teach there and I'm just like surrounded by 
this room full of super smart brains. And I'm just like, why am I teaching? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? But it's and inspiring though, because like, it just goes to show you that the title of what you do doesn't really matter. It's actually like what you know and how you like what, how you've decided your education is going to be, but also tells you like how each country um, will treat each industry very differently too. Yeah. You know, like think about um, like acupuncturists in the U S versus acupuncturists in Asia. Yeah. There's a whole different level of respect and education and, and culture that goes behind it. Um, and it's the same thing with any other profession, but um, like, you're absolutely right about the massage therapy. Like I have a massage therapy license and I never tell people that I'm a massage therapist because I don't do actual massage therapy. I do yeah. therapy sometimes when it's needed. You know, right. I have my own fascial protocol um, that I, that I developed. And then there's like some other stuff, but I don't really do like massage therapy. So I don't say I'm a massage therapist at all, but I'm considered under the law also as a massage therapist. Yeah. But even if though I'm considered as under the law as a massage therapist, the government still puts out this thing for essential workers at, um, and saying that masseuses are not essential. Yeah. You know, like, Wait, you know the difference between a masseuse and a massage therapist, you bonehead? Uh, I know, but then even go, like even going further, there's this whole uh, narrative of outrage around the use of the word massage parlor. You know, because that's another thing too. <laughs> is, is, and, you know, we have, so just on the block where my gym is, we have, four or five of the Chinese massage parlors. We're just like, okay, what's going on in there? You know what I mean? <laughs> and they're just surround, there's some one block. They're just surround us. And so that's another thing that people are all up in arms about. I'm like, so that is the societal narrative on what we do. Yeah. And, the, and we need to change that. You know what I mean? And so complaining about it in a private Facebook group with other massage therapists isn't going to change that. It's just super weird. And so that's funny that you mentioned uh, when you're teaching in Asia, because that's how I felt when I taught with Andy back in May. I was like looking around at everybody that was there and I'm like, oh, what are these people going to learn from me? But then, you know, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, and then trying to sell that same course with Andy here in Flagstaff was a completely different story. And that's one of those things where I just got really bummed out because in San Diego, like all these gyms like come together and, you know, hang out and collaborate and work together. And in Flagstaff, everybody's super competitive to where it's that nobody wanted to come. So I had to like, you know, get people i was scrambling for months trying to get people to come to that thing and it was so infuriating and made gave me so much anxiety but then just to think that we have such an egotistical gym culture here to where nobody thinks that they can learn from anybody else yeah. like if you've been coaching longer than me then there's something that i can learn from you i'm not asking to teach you and then assume that I'm not going to learn from anyone. Like, like you 
for instance, crushed it at our course. We asked you for advice multiple times and you just like unleashed the knowledge and we were just like, yeah. And so, but that was like a whole room full of people, you know what I mean? And so it was so much fun and so beneficial to have all of us there. So, you know, me and Andy were the lead, but you guys were all supporting and you all had different inputs. And that was my favorite part is when we did our breakouts, like I would just go around and listen to what everybody was saying and learn so much stuff. It was awesome. So much fun. Yeah. I love those kind of courses because I like, I like um, collaborative learning and collaborative teaching. Yeah. Uh, that's actually a little bit more my style anyway, because I growing up in a martial arts um, environment, like I've, I've done martial arts since I was eight. Right. Yeah. And um, one of the things that you learn from martial arts is that you can learn from anybody. Yeah. Right. And that's something actually that was more instilled in me um, when I started jujitsu because they say, Hey, you know what? I don't care if you're a black belt, you can still learn from a white belt because they'll teach you things that you've never seen before because everybody's different. Everybody interprets things differently. You know, and everybody's got a different skill set and so on and so forth. So just because you're higher ranked than somebody doesn't mean that you can't learn anything from the other person. And I think that's a really important lesson in life because it keeps you way more open-minded and it allows you to um, see a lot of things in different ways that you would have never been able to see otherwise. And so whenever I teach, I, I make sure that I, I have the, 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 the students understand that I'm not here to lecture them and I'm not here to present to them and I'm not here to give them the answers to where the problems are, right? Um, I'm here to make them think critically. I'm here to have them share their experiences with other people, with everybody else so everybody can learn. And I'm here to um, try to help them develop their mind so that they can learn this concept that I'm teaching and they can actually use the concept instead of just spitting out facts or spitting out like relationships of stuff. And then when things get hard, they don't know how to, you know, deviate from that plan. You know, yeah. like I'm trying to teach them how to fish, not just giving them, you know, smoked salmon, you know? Yeah. Which is so important. Like there's been a myriad of different times where I was, going through NKT protocols and it just didn't work out. And then you're just like, okay, what's happening? And then you have to take a step back and stare at the person for a while and be like, oh, so this could be something completely new. And I have to think about all of these different relationships that could potentially be affecting this person. And so one guy um, that came in had like low back pain. So I went through the standard low back pain stuff, couldn't figure it out. And then I went to try and activate his hamstring. And what happened was is as he was activating his hamstring, I had him lying face down so we could try and isolate it. When his lower leg came up with his heel coming towards his butt, his pelvis started to anteriorly rotate. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, so then his psoas is doing the work of his hamstring. I would have never thought of that if we were just lying on the table and I wasn't watching him move, you know what I mean? It's just such a weird learning environment. And like, that's the, like neurokinetic therapy does a great job of creating this base, but you have to be a critical thinker with that knowledge that they gave you. Definitely. And that's actually one of the good things that came out of the, the silver linings that came out of the, 
the quarantine stuff is um, uh, for, and this is just for the, the, the people who've taken neurokinetic therapy. So for anybody who's watching who hasn't taken neurokinetic therapy, this doesn't really apply to you. But um, I, because I developed a, a movement based um, testing for NKT and I haven't been able to teach it yet um, in you know, the, the States or anywhere else other than, than Asia. And I, a lot of it, I haven't even been able to take to, to teach in Asia, but, um, I was going to start teaching the movement style testing for, uh, NKT through their, the, the online library, right. For the, the, the study groups and that kind of thing. And I had, you know, scheduled someone to come over and we were going to do the demonstrations, that kind of thing. And then, um, between the time that I scheduled it and the, the time that it actually happened, we got the, the orders for lockdown and I'm like, oh shit, I already have like 50 people scheduled for this call. I can't cancel it, but also I can't have anybody over for this thing. What do I do? Right. And then I, I did a little bit of, you know, quick thinking, a little critical thinking there. I'm like, you know what? I can turn this into a remote session. Mm -hmm. You know, like this is easily turned into where um, I'm teaching people how to do NKT remotely. Like they are doing distance sessions like telehealth kind of thing and like this yeah. is totally 100% doable you know and so so I started teaching that on the NKT platform and what ended up happening was people who were out of a job because the government said you're not essential you can't function you, you're, you can't like operate your business you know um, those people who are out of a job all of a sudden had jobs again you know like they were able to still see their clients. They were, they were able to like still um, uh, pull in an income. You know, like there was somebody who, who messaged me saying that they were going to go get a job at a farm as a farmhand. Yeah. Because they, they, they were out of a job and they were like, okay, I'm just going to do this for six months so I can, you know, um, pay the bills and that kind of thing. And uh, then we'll see what happens after six months. Right. This is somebody who is a professional um, uh, rehab therapist right yeah that hey i got screwed by the government i have no job now i was going to work as a farmhand you know yeah. farm labor farmhand and because of this style of testing what you've been teaching like i can actually go back to doing what i love and making a, an income again um to support myself and my family yeah. and things like that i was just like oh my gosh this is absolutely amazing so since i heard that i'm like okay cool i'm going to keep doing these things and keep making these videos for them so um, apparently it's been helping a lot of people all over the world because people, like each country, like all these different countries are getting their, their lockdown orders at different times. Right. I think Singapore just happened like a little bit ago, yeah. but, um, I'm, that was, I think one of the silver linings that came out of it. Cause I wouldn't have ever thought about how to do distance healing or telehealth with NKT, just the movement stuff. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, so there's it's, good things that come out, come out of this. Well, there's good things that come out of everything you yeah. know um and so when are you are you going to teach that again or is it available in the library or how's that working yeah it's so the it's available in the library the first two are the ones where i teach the actual protocol itself and the concept itself um and there's a case study with each um with each video and then um i've been making weekly videos and they're all available on the nkt learn.neurokineticotherapy.com uh, learn website that's where you typically find the study groups but if you go onto that website on your computer on the upper left hand corner there's a there's a link that says all videos so you click that and then there's a drop down menu that says like movement therapy stuff so you click on the movement therapy stuff 
go to the level one. I don't care what level you are, but go to the level one. It's an all movement therapy. And if there's a part one and part two, definitely get the, those two. And then everything after that is going to be more case studies. So okay. each week we've been doing ones. Um, most of them have been level, uh, well, level, level ones and level twos. Um, and you can find them on the respective dropdown uh, uh, selection. And um, it's just a different case study every single week. We're having them uh, mostly every Thursday. Okay. And um, the, the NKT Facebook pages will have all the information on how to sign up for it and that kind of thing. So you can attend live if you want to. So then you can get um, your questions answered so you can participate so you can learn better that way because, of course, you learn better when you participate. Right. Um, if you can't make the time, then you can get the recording, so on and so forth. But um, those are, it, it's a great way to, like, originally it was intended for people to learn more about how you can incorporate movement into, um, into NKT because NKT was, was designed for and by manual therapy. Yeah. And so all, all us movement geeks are like, oh, I don't know how to use this in my training sessions, right? Right. And so that's kind of how I started adapting it into it because I almost quit NKT when I first started it because I'm like, I can't use this. I know I, I see the value of it, but I can't use it in, you know, in real life. And so I started playing around with it. And that's how I came up with the, the movement stuff. And um, so originally it was intended for more movement professionals who might not even have a table, who only want to maybe keep their table time to like five minutes, you know? Um, and incidentally, the way that I teach this stuff, it also knocks down your um, assessment and your testing time down to where you can knock out a whole session of NKT in just like a few minutes because of the way that I teach you how to think and what to look for and how to look for stuff and then also like how to test, you know, so it's good for people who um, do more movement stuff. It's good for people who want to learn how to critically think. It's good for people who want to shorten their sessions, the NKT sessions. And um, like the last group that I had, they were all LMTs or all massage therapists. And yeah. they said that they liked um, my style of teaching or that, that movement uh, uh, teaching or the movement testing because it made more sense to them based yeah. on their uh, normal assessments because their normal assessments weren't like the orthopedic assessments that perhaps other people have learned. They learn more movement assessments um, or like they just, it just makes more sense to, to them. Right. So yeah. it's definitely just a, it's a different way of looking at um, the NKT uh, uh, concept itself. And for some people it works better because their brains work closer to mine, you know, versus yeah. more analytical. And then of course it's not going to work for everybody because not everybody's brains the same, but it, it definitely does help for um, a lot of people. I'm really glad that, um, that those people who have kind of been neglected in the past with, with NKT because it's been so manual focused um, that they now have a place to go. So I'm just going to be continuously adding on to that library every single week and um, eventually we'll get all three levels and it's basically kind of a mini course right because yeah. you are learning something like a brand new protocol a brand new way to think about things a brand new way to see things and assess things and evaluate things and um uh it's 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 like a mini course so we're just going to keep doing these examples and um more of these topics and so on and so forth uh to help people who have taken nkt understand how to use it uh, practically in a movement setting versus just manual hands-on. Perfect. Man, that was awesome. That's a great way to end it, I think. Because we just <laughs> we just blew through 90 minutes. What? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, where, where else can people find you other than the learn.nkt.com? 
So that, that was learn.neurokineticstherapy.com. Okay. And that's, that's only for people who have taken NKT. Okay. Um, for everybody else, you can find me. Uh, my website is strength-therapy.com. So strength, like we're strong. Strength-therapy.com. My Instagram is strength underscore therapy. And then Facebook is strength therapy. So you can find me in any of those places, or if you can manage to find me, my personal Facebook, that's fine too, whatever, it's all good. Perfect. Um, yeah, so I'm all over the place. Awesome, thank you so much for the conversation, my friend. It was good catching up with you. Thank you, thank you, it was great catching up with you too. Absolutely, we'll talk again soon. For sure, for sure.